We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part? You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag and use your promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the Laker Film Room podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. Today we're going to talk a little bit about Alex Caruso. I had a piece out on uh, The Athletic today, you'll be hearing this tomorrow, uh, about why he and LeBron James fit so well together. They have the very best net rating in the NBA of any duo that's played over 150 minutes, right? You got to lower the filters down all the way to 150 minutes. They've played 445 minutes together, plus 24.7 net rating. And even beyond the numbers, it is very obvious that they have gelled together and they have always gelled together going back to last season. A lot of times when we talk about Caruso, it's in conjunction with Rajon Rondo and the complaint of, hey, he should be getting his minutes. I don't want to do that so much today. Maybe we're going to get to that more in this in the second half where we talk a little more about lineups. But uh I want to talk specifically just about Alex Caruso as a basketball yeah. player. He's been a guy that's been in the program since uh, this is his third year. Um, and he has really, um, <laughs> he's really made himself like that dude's a good basketball player at this point, man. He's really grown a lot. He's just starting to blossom as a player. Frank Vogel's been getting a lot of questions about Caruso. And 
I was actually going to ask you about this, like even if Caruso wasn't the topic of this first segment. One of the things that he had mentioned about Caruso and one of the things that he's been working on and what they've wanted him to improve on is sort of his decision making once he's in the lane. And in this last game and in, and in the last few games in general that he's really had an impact, it's really something that I've noticed with him in terms of his shot pass decisions when he mm-hmm. gets deep into the paint. If you and I had a critique about Caruso, it was sort of that in-between decision-making as an offensive player. And I've really seen mm-hmm. a step up with him in terms of like, oh, you're going to pressure me up high because that's sort of thought of as a weakness with him. And he's- His ball handling, yeah. And mm-hmm. he's getting by guys off of the dribble and he's getting all of the way to the rim. And, and guys are sort of playing him like, is he going to pass? Is he going to shoot? Mm-hmm. Which is what you want, which is exactly what and you want. And instead he's like, no- I'm getting all of the way to the cup and you can either foul me or I'm going to finish and I'm going to drop it right into the cup. And that's where he can be, to me at least, a real impact player for for this team. Because if he's going to be a scoring threat, even if it's just a one level scoring threat, right? Like, oh, he can get to the basket off of a live dribble or he can cut and finish. Then that adds a dimension to this team that they don't really have from the point guard spot. Yes. That's the way that he gets to the basket is something that that we're really lacking really amongst most of our guards, right? KCP can do this if you give him a head of steam. Crusoe's able to do it, you know, with a, a little more ball handling ability than KCP has. Actually, a good degree more than KCP has. But that ability to put pressure on the rim, both as a cutter, uh, as a guy in transition, I think that's something that we, we talked earlier in the season when the Lakers, we, we started seeing the Lakers as this kind of conquering horde that was going from Western Conference City to Western Conference City and just dominating and just like how they would snowball and get on a roll and go on these 25 to four type of runs. And Crusoe's been a big part of those types of runs throughout, throughout the season. And one of the things that it's like, a team will break if, if you put a certain amount of pressure on the front of the rim, eventually they just don't have enough guys to be able to handle that. And I think with the Lakers, it's not just that LeBron and AD are superstars. It's how they're superstars. They're two of the best put pressure on the rim, right? Attack the basket types of guys in, in the NBA. It's not Steph Curry. They're, they're not even a guy like Kawhi Leonard is a mid range pull up guy. Like LeBron and AD are looking to get to the rack first and foremost. They can produce from the perimeter, but that's where they're at their best. If you add a third guy into that equation that can really, even if it's just attacking a closeout, this is something that Cruz has done a lot lately, it, just attacking the closeout and you have to rotate over or he's going to finish at the rim. There is just some level of like, we only have so much, like we've, we're trying to take away LeBron, we're trying to take away AD and that third guy really compromises the defense. So seeing him as aggressive as he's been, as you pointed out, has been like his, his plus minuses have started to really go through the roof, man. The, the the Denver game, his game against the Pelicans. He's really impacting games like possession. He dominated a section of that game against the Pelicans. With Caruso, it all sort of starts with energy, but it would be this great misnomer to just say he's just an energy guy. You and I both grew up watching a ton of NBA basketball. Like I think of a guy like um, old Jerome Williams, right? The junkyard dog. Uh, the junkyard dog, Georgetown University. Yes, that sir. guy was an energy guy. 
Like a guy who would just mm-hmm. throw his body around and get to a loose ball and pick up a charge. And don't get me wrong, Caruso does plenty of that stuff too. But mm-hmm. I thought that your piece at, well, at The Athletic, what I thought it did a really good job of was sort of highlighting those mental plays, like the mm-hmm. basketball IQ, the like the smarts plays where he's setting that weak side flare or he's getting the right angle on that wide pin down with him and Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. And he's making that smart cut from from the top of the key when he sees his defender quickly turn his head or there's a communication between those two weak side defenders who are trying to zone up that side to figure out, all right, here's my help. You've got those two guys. And as those weak side defenders are sort of communicating to each other while watching the ball, there goes Caruso. Mm -hmm. The thing about a good cutter, and Avery Bradley is great at this too, they're not always cutting just to get themselves open. They're cutting in order to move defensive players yeah. with them. Yeah. That's going to open up another guy who's going to come free. And that's where the basketball smarts comes in, where Caruso understands all of this stuff at a very high level. Yes. And this is where you said we weren't going to necessarily contrast him with Rajon Rondo, but I want to do so here just to make this point. Mm-hmm. Rondo is smart like this too, but Rondo no longer has the juice in his legs to always make those effort plays where he's sort of giving himself up for the team, right? When when Mm -hmm. Rondo was a younger player, he might make that cut. He might make that screen. He might do some of those things. But I'm just saying from the standpoint of now at like a 32 or 33-year-old player that he is, Rondo often takes shortcuts. And Caruso is this live-bodied 24, 25-year-old guy. Like all he knows is run, 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 go, go, go. And the extra effort combined with the smarts is to me what sort of makes him that plus minus dynamo that you had sort of mentioned earlier. So with Rondo, Rondo definitely has the smarts to be able to do it, but he's never stylistically been this type of point guard. One of the things that I really love about Caruso that it's just been, it's been more like satisfying to watch since the beginning. Like he's become a very good player, but I've liked this all along is it reminds me of, uh, of learning motion offense principles when I was, you know, digging up YouTube videos and buying championship production DVDs and just kind of learning how basketball works. And the, the basic premise behind motion offense is called pass, cut and replace, which you have. So say we're in a five out. Just for the sake of argument, we usually aren't, but five out means that you got two guys behind the three point line, two guys on the wing, one guy up top. And what happens is, say Crusoe's got the ball up top, he passes the ball to the right wing to LeBron James. So, pass, what's next is the cut, right? So, Crusoe is going to cut through. Now, he could cut to the basket or he can, whatever he does, he has to vacate that position up top. So, one of the ways, and he does stuff like this all the time. And this is how he he launches multiple attacks on the rim per possession. His style would fit the Golden State Warriors were very interested in him this offseason. And this is exactly why, right? Because he understands motion, pass, cut, and replace principles. So he's he's up top, passes the ball to LeBron. He's got a got a cut. 
So he's going to say, instead of cutting to the basket, he's going to go to the other wing and set a screen for that guy, right? So the spots, the open spots are always supposed to get filled. And there are all these opportunities to, and that, that starts the wheel, right? We always talk about that as coaches is like the wheel, the, the wheel of motion, right? Because if you're doing it right, there's always a spot that's open and then the next guy over has to fill it. And as a result of that, it just keeps motion going. He tries all these, you know, I pointed out the, the pin screen that he had for Anthony Davis on a weak side three, that type of thing. He's doing that all the time. And it results in a, in a bucket, maybe 20% of the time, yeah. right? Like he's setting, but he's doing it over and over and over again. Okay. That, uh, LeBron didn't like that, the opportunity off of that pin screen. All right. I'm going to cut through and I'm going to set a cross screen, right? Or I'm going to do a wing exchange or all of these different motion offense concepts where it, helps the whole thing move from one action to the next. And what ends up happening is the Lakers are getting four, five, six different opportunities on at a decent scoring chance, as opposed to with Rondo, it's we're setting up that first action. And if it doesn't work, yeah, uh, let's, you know what I mean? And so that's the primary difference. The thing I would say too, is, and you and I talk about this a ton on the pod, but it bears repeating every single time you do one of those exchanges or like on the weak side, or you set a screen or you vacate and fill, you are telling the defense, okay, make a decision now, make mm-hmm. a decision. Yes. And every yes. decision that a defense has to make is an opportunity for them to fail. Them to mess up. Yep, exactly. And to me, this is one of the key reasons why him and LeBron as a duo work so well together because off the top of your head and even if he wasn't a laker you can't tell me that if i were to ask you the question who in your opinion is is the player who with the ball in his hands will make a defense pay the most when they make a mistake for for the for, lakers for any player in the league like when they are when they are a chief ball handler and the decision maker the guy with the ball and oh, that's LeBron James. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so when you're yeah. talking about a player who is consistently like Alex Caruso, who is telling the mm-hmm. defense, make a decision, make a decision, right. now make do a it decision, again. Now do it again. make a decision. Yes. And yes, oh, they fudge that weak side exchange or, oh, I caught this guy with his head turned or, oh, this, well, this defender didn't see me creeping up behind. And so now I've really got that pin on that screen. That angle. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. LeBron is just like, oh, great. Look, there is a D. Well, th- that's the thing. They, they share that mind, right? Like, and so and it, it also saves LeBron's legs, uh, a, a lot of like the transition stuff. And then that, the stuff in the half court is, that uh, Cranjus was talking about this and you and I were talking about this right before we hit record about how that like when you throw AD into the mix along with like Caruso is this kind of connecting piece yeah. between the two where he's going to do a lot of that dirty work stuff. And so LeBron's going to make the decision and he's still the best guy in the league at exploiting mistakes as a passer. And then you've got one of the very best finishers in the yeah. league being able to finish off of that, it's no wonder they're a Death Star type trio. And all of that comes from like what you were saying about make a decision, then make another decision and all that. Like 
they might get the defense might make the right decision the first three times or even the first four times. There was a play, bro, in the last game against the Pelicans where it was kind of this broken set. There were nine seconds left on the shot clock or so stagnant position, bad spacing. And LeBron had the ball at the top of the key and was kind of dribbling to his right and Caruso just sets a ball screen for him and slips yes. it in reverse pivots yeah. yes. off of it and got a layup yeah. off of it, right? That that possession was garbage. That was a garbage possession. Right. And we got a layup out of it because Caruso was like, and 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 so it's not a mistake. It's not a coincidence that he gets that. That comes from knowledge of, hey, when I've been setting screens, my guy has been showing really high. And the higher the defender shows, the more vulnerable they are to slip screens. So it's just certain like in the moment and then understanding what the defense is doing to be, be able to create something out of nothing. Crusoe got the layup on that one. But there are a lot of times where he does not get the box score statistic for it. But that's why plus minus tends to love him. So yeah. Much. And so so we've been talking a lot about offense. Are there things yeah. that you've seen from him offensively? Like I mentioned earlier what Vogel was talking about in terms of his his shot pass decision making and and his sort of finishing around the rim. I ran some numbers about with him and LeBron and Anthony Davis on the floor together. Caruso shooting like 38 or 39% from three with those guys on the mm-hmm. floor with him, right? Mm-hmm. And so his mm-hmm. overall percentage from three is something like 35%, right? Which is around league average like it's fine but i mean but for a point guard it's uh but right especially like he only really shoots when he's although that's getting better we'll we'll get into that but but are there things that you've seen from him that you really highlight and think wow like that's really better just even from last season Yes, there are several things. Uh, in terms of purely as a scorer, his ability to f- attack closeouts and finish around the rim, that's historically been something where, I don't know if you remember in the preseason when he had to run a lot of conventional point guard stuff, there were some adventures around the rim, yeah. man. He was, you know, chucking stuff up there. He's making better like so when you attack a closeout uh for for those not familiar, this is going to be LeBron drives to the basket, collapses the defense, kicks it out say to say it's directly to Caruso and he catches it in the corner, but somebody's going to chase him off of the three point line. They're going to close out hard to him and be like, no, we're not going to let you shoot that open three. So Caruso's like, all right, I'm going to attack the basket. He gets all the way to the basket very well, especially with those two guys on the court, because those are easy dump off passes, right? Like they're worried, more worried about those guys than they are about Caruso. So there are opportunities, but the thing that he's gotten better at is that if he doesn't have it, there's, he's making good decisions in, in the decision zone, right? Which is usually there's, there's some leeway to this, but around 15 feet away from, from the rim, right? So whether it's the free throw line or if you're attacking from the corner between the free, the, the lane line and the three point line, somewhere around 15 feet away from the basket, you need to have decided, am I going to go all the way with this? Am I going to dish it off? Right. And if you want to pull up, you have to decide it's right before, be deciding right before that. And, so that's the decision zone, right? Of like understanding, should I go all the way or should I dump it off? Much, much better in terms of decisions in those. And so you're seeing more layups at the rim and fewer kind of these crazy attempts where he's flailing yeah. and the ball goes flying up in the air. Uh, uh, he is, when teams go under screens on on ball screens, he's taking the shot. He's not hesitating yeah. at all. He's shooting okay on those pull-ups, a lot better over the last 10, 15 games than before. But between, a, a lot of it is offensive uh, decision-making yeah. in, in in that respect that, that I, like, like, yes, you need to be taking that shot. Next step is making it sure. at 
just like an average rate. That has improved, but he's not quite there yet. What have you no, seen? No, I see all of those things too. And, and I just want to build on that point you made about taking that shot and why it's important. Taking that shot is important because it lets the defense understand that result be damned, they're going to have to guard something. Mm-hmm. And showing a proclivity to even take that shot. And I think this is a point that you made about Markeith Morris too, right? About yes. sort of mm-hmm. not Very showing much. that hesitation and what that translates to in terms of defensive reaction, whether the shot goes in or not. It, it makes you s- seem like a more viable threat. It's an idea that we've talked about in the past as well ab- about three-point shooting volume equating to even more gravity at times than like percentage. Like if you Mm -hmm. shoot seven threes a game, guess what? A defender is more likely to close out on you because Mm -hmm. you're known for taking that shot rather than, oh, well, this guy shoots 43% from three, but on like one and a half attempts a game, right? It's it's sort of like, oh, is he going to shoot it? I'm not sure. So Caruso sort of stepping back and saying, oh, you're going under. Guess what? I'm trying to punish you with that. Mm -hmm. And it makes you more hesitant to continue to go under on him if you feel like, okay, well, that shot could be coming. As far as other improvements from last season, his ball handling is tighter now. Much tighter. Mm -hmm. He's been getting pressured at the... like at the point of attack a little bit more and that's like not bothering him. Not nearly as much. It's not as like he's he's not all the way there yet, but he's definitely No, better. like so against the Pelicans, there was a lot and I saw you tweet this about sort of LeBron's defensive um, ability and, and some of the plays that he made against like his former teammates, uh-huh. right? And, and right, there right. was there was a possession where it was the inverse of that. Lonzo Ball decided, mm-hmm. guess what? I'm going to pick up Alex Caruso full court. Right? Yes, I know the player you're talking about. Yep, yep. Caruso sort of gave him a little shake, crossed over right to left, brought it up to the front court, no issues, crossed back over left to right, and then initiated the offensive set. And it- Just fine. it was just- That wouldn't happen last year, bro. That wouldn't happen And it was just sort sort of like, aha, like I am a professional Mm -hmm. point guard, right? Yes, And there is a certain competence that Mm -hmm. was not there definitely a year and a half ago and was sort of getting in that direction or going in well in that direction last season but this season has seemingly arrived right there are still mm-hmm. going to be heavy ball pressure guards that are going to give give him problems like if that was Avery Bradley who happened to be on the Pelicans mm-hmm. instead of Lonzo Ball that might have been like oh okay well yeah Bradley's a dog right Lonzo's a really good ball pressure guard though man like to be able to do that I know exactly the position you're talking about and like as soon as I saw and because it was toward the end of the game we were up like seven like we were up but it wasn't like yeah and Lonzo was probably seeking a little bit of revenge like after that block too right that block exactly right and so I I do want to get to that in in a moment um but yeah that that was I was like oh like I'm I was nervous like there are times where I'll I'll know a player's in kind of like a weaker spot and like I kind of like tensed up a little bit when Lonzo picked him up and he did exactly what you said he did. And I was like, check out Alex Caruso. All right, man. And so it it really, really represents. Yeah. And so just the tighter ball handling, the sort of more confident offensive minded player that he's become in, in terms of, he used to sort of, even though he's like a leaper and a dunker, he used to shy away from contact some at the rim. Like he didn't want to necessarily get to to the foul line or was more concerned about sort of protecting himself than always attacking. 
Mm -hmm. There's so much less of that now. He just looks like a guy who is ready to like take what the defense gives him. And if that's a lane to to the basket, then he's going to gobble that up. Mm -hmm. And that's just important. For this team, we have talked a ton about what the Lakers' needs are and, oh, they need another shot creator. And I think to a certain extent, that's still true. But Mm -hmm. as you sort of build on the margins and as individual players show incremental development in some of these key spaces, you can sometimes cobble together enough to Mm -hmm. paper over those weaknesses. It's not like, oh, well, you're not writing this in Sharpie, right? Like it's not permanent ink. Uh, right. But right, but right. that said, it's more like erasable pen, right? So when you erase it, you kind of still see the intention of what's there. Mm-hmm. And Caruso has, has just made enough progress and, and taken enough strides in some of these, these offensive areas that it's meaningful. Let me though switch it up. Let's talk defense for a second. You said you wanted to sort of get to that Lonzo block. Mm -hmm. What did you see on that play? Because that play really did impress me for a variety of reasons that really kind of have nothing to do with the block itself, but more like the action to get there. Yeah. He had no business getting to that ball. Like, so... When we talk about the, those lineups uh, with with LeBron and with LeBron and AD, the offensive ratings are really good. They're really, really good. The defensive ratings with those lineups are bonkers. Yeah. Uh, and Caruso is, when we look like we're swarming defensively, it's almost always when Caruso is on the floor. He's one of the best closeout guards in the NBA. He's on one of that on that play. He was on the weak side wing, about halfway between the lane line and the three point line. Recognize that last minute and his explosiveness athletically. That was two steps for him, two steps and an elevation, and got a clean block and knocked it off of Lonzo. No business whatsoever getting to that ball. And it was both the reaction was impressive. We talk about a lot about, oh, Crusoe's so smart, blah, 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 blah. That his athleticism is legit, man. Like to be able to that kind of short area burst into elevation like that, really hard for a guard to do. So when you combine that, he's such a perfect defensive guard to put next to Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, our collective rim protection. And then you've got Danny Green doing some cool help defense stuff as well. It's like we've got six guys on the court defensively, man. And so, yeah, I, I just it was beyond just that play. But yeah, what did you see on that one? And then just from him defensively overall. So you took the words right out of my mouth just in terms of you see big men make that play or sort of rim protecting mm-hmm. forwards, like guys who have the ability to understand where they are on the floor see how a play is developing, take one or two sort of half steps to sort of prep themselves to have to rotate. Mm -hmm. Because you cannot rotate as a flat-footed player and actually get to the spaces where you need to be. Mm -hmm. So you could sort of see him prepping to like, okay, like, Active feet, active legs, like, like, where am I going? Oh, ball's reversed. Okay, Mm -hmm. so here he comes. Two steps, explosion, I'm meeting you, right? And he mm-hmm. was about to go vertical, and then he went past him with his right hand and then reached back with his left hand and just took it. There were like five things on that play that were just, yeah, 
Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned his closeout sale because I actually think that for all of the like, oh, he's a good ball pressure guard and he is, he's a good ball denial guard and he is, to me, one of his most important strengths as a contributing defensive player for this Lakers team is how he closes out on shooters. And mm-hmm. a guy who was really hurting the Lakers in that Pelicans matchup was Melly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the Pelicans put Zion next to Melly. They brought in JJ Redick and they were like, okay, mm-hmm. well, we're going to spread the Lakers out. We're going to shoot threes and we're going to make them defend. And that was working in like the middle mm-hmm. part of the game. But in the second half, who was flying all over the damn court to chase Melly off of the three-point line. There was one play in particular, and it reminded me of that crazy closeout block that Anthony Davis got against Bogdanovich in the Utah game. Do you remember that one where AD closed mm-hmm. out to the sideline? And, and then he jumped yes, again. He and and so like yeah. mm-hmm. he like Bogdanovich did an escape dribble to, to his left hand uh-huh. and then tried to get that shot off, and then AD just blocked it. AD had no business blocking that shot. Well, Crusoe had a very similar closeout against Melly. Closed out hard to that wing. Melly tried to sort of escape dribble. Caruso chopped his steps. He slid with him again and basically smothered him again and then made Melly give the ball up. And and I was just like... And there's a huge size differential. It's not Anthony Davis using a 7'6 wingspan to do this. It's an opposite direction, right? He's small and still able to do that to a 6'10". And I tweeted at the time, like, what a closeout by Alex Caruso. And it was literally just like, oh, another sequence play. I don't even think it mattered. The ball swung, the ball swung. The Pelicans probably missed a shot. I don't even know what happened the rest of that possession but what i do remember is freaking alex caruso busting his ass Mm -hmm. to get out to the Mm three-point line to get a big man off of his shot and sort of put it in in his mind like oh no like here comes a dude who could really bother this shot right like melly's a legit Mm -hmm. 610 and he yeah. should have been able to just say, oh, well, here comes a guard. Right. So what? But, so but what? Caruso was bearing down on him full speed, chased him off, chopped his step, and then basically smothered him again and said, no, 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 no. You're not getting this shot off at all. Next option, please. And he does that multiple times a game, man. Like it is basically just what he does. And for a Lakers team that is so dependent on their rim protection They are also still a team that wants to get you off of the three point line while still protecting the rim. That, like, that's, that's such a hard thing to do as a defense. Like, it's so hard. The Bucks have basically said, we're not even going to try that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the Bucks are saying, we'll give you every mid range shot you want. Anytime you come into the paint, we're challenging you. But if you decide you're going to go 23 for 48 from the three-point line, well, then we'll tip (laughs) our cap. And if you beat us, you beat us that way. The Lakers, though, they're saying, nah, like, we're closing out on those shots. We want you running off of that, and we want you putting the ball on the ground again to try to take it into the arms of our big men. And it takes effort plays to do that. And LeBron gets a ton of credit, right, for his closeouts this season and sort of the extra level of effort that he's been playing with defensively. And he should. He's LeBron James, and he carries a major load offensively. 
But Caruso's mm-hmm. doing that possession after possession after possession. And I'm glad that you mentioned it because he deserves a ton of credit for how much work that he puts in in order to get out there to bother shooters. Absolutely. I think there's something to be said for his constant level of engagement and that like he's constantly going both mentally and physically. There's so many times he can overdo this a little bit, but it's way more good than bad where he will like say, you know how you were talking about how guys will kind of cut through from one side of the court to the other to bring a defender with them. He knows how to cheat off of those guys. Right. And so if, if his guys cutting through and then uh, I call this drafting, I don't, I have no idea if they call it something like that, but I, I've seen this a lot more in the NBA this year where like a guy will cut through and that's exactly when the defender or when the offensive player will attack, meaning that like that guy will cut through and he'll cut like right behind him. And so the help defender doesn't see yeah. it. And so there's, you know, layup to the rim. Jason Tatum's been amazing at this. Um, that's something Crusoe will peel off and know that like, you're not going to make that dump off pass to a guard in the paint. And now you're double teamed. And there are so many moments where offensive players will run into Caruso when they don't expect to run into a, a player yeah. rotating, right? Like he, he will cheat off of that. And it's that ability to be mentally and physically locked in over and over and over and over in possession and possession and possession again, that not only has been amazing now, but really bodes well for the playoffs because that's what the playoffs are. It's my biggest concern about Kuzma really, yeah. right? Like we, we still need to find Kuzma a better offensive role, but that ability to do that, to do your job, every possession one after another, because there's just so little slack for that. And I, I guess that brings me to a question for you is how playoff ready is Alex Caruso? You know, whenever it comes to a young player, I almost always answer these questions with, I don't know, we'll see. And then some level of confidence wherever I am. I'm fairly confident when it comes to him in a playoff environment in terms of the things that I know that he does well and how they'll translate. So playing hard in the playoffs is a necessity. Being a smart decision maker in the playoffs is a necessity. Being strict and adhering to the game plan is a necessity. These are strengths of Alex Caruso's. I do Mm -hmm. not know if he'll shoot the ball well enough. I do not know if he Mm -hmm. will be as assertive offensively as he'll need to be in order to stay on the floor when teams start to scheme specifically him. Like if he's identified mm-hmm. as, well, you know, Alex Russo is going to be a key part of the Lakers eight or nine man playoff rotation. Guess what's going to happen then? He's going to have almost probably a full scouting report directly on him. And that's a different ball game when you're operating in that territory. Yes. And that's going to be handed out to the three or four guys who are expected to defend him or be defended by him. So there's just another level of like the preparation level just goes up. I expect him to be prepared for what mm-hmm. the Lakers are asking of him. What I'm not as sure about is how prepared he will be to respond to what other teams are going to ask of their players to do against him, right? Yes, and always an adjustment, and yes. That is that is the question of the playoffs in a nutshell. And even the greatest players can suffer from that, mm-hmm. right? To say nothing of role players. Right. It's why if I were to ask you about how do you think KCP is going to respond in the playoffs or right. Sure, and and sure. there's just uh, the playoffs are the ultimate proof 
well, proving ground. It's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why a lot of teams and I think fans have confidence in a guy like Danny Green because in those proving grounds of the playoffs, he has shown capable and not only at some mm-hmm. points capable, but exceedingly so. And so I don't know. My default answer is I don't know, but I'm excited to see it. Yes. Whereas certain players, you might ask me and I might say, I don't know. And I'm nervous to uh-huh. see it. I trust Alex Caruso defensively in a playoff setting. I'm not at that point yet with his offense. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be a guy who struggled. Like if I had to bet right now, but this last 10 to 15 game stretch has been the first time where I've thought, you know, he might be okay. I don't expect him to be some star performer offensively, but just not a, we can leave him and divert a ton of attention from him and, and put it more on LeBron. I mean, that's going to happen, right? But that he can exploit advantage that offensively, that he can score just enough to be able to have to respect him. This is the first time this season where I've felt like there's this decent possibility. I still wouldn't bet on it now, but say it's gone from, let's say, a 10% possibility to a 35, 40% possibility of him being that. And so these last couple of months of the season are going to be huge for him in terms of continuing to progress. And that gets to, to my very last question is, in terms of rotationally, Vogel's started to maximize how much he he plays with Markeith Morris. They're t- we're talk- talk- talking about... uh Dion Waiters coming in. What is his ideal role in the build up to the playoffs? Yeah, I think he should be playing 20 to 25 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that it's almost gotten to the point where he should be a fixture of closing lineups. Mm-hmm. Frank Vogel talked about Caruso. I think it was at today's practice as sort of he plays some point guard and he plays some on the wing, like he plays sort of a hybrid role. And that makes him one of the more versatile players that's on the team. Mm-hmm. And that then you could slot him in at either of those positions and he will likely to be effective. I'd like to see his minutes uptick even a little bit more, even though I, I mm-hmm. sort of like what Vogel's done lately. I wish he could find him another either half a shift or some first quarter minutes maybe, but but I don't know. Like So what what I'd like to see is he plays so hard that he's a guy that I would I would try to play two shifts, but break them up into four shifts, meaning that if he's give him six minutes of run uh, a little two minute breather, Vogel does with the, this with LeBron, then a, another six minute run in each half. Right. So uh, have that, you know, have him come in, say, the two minute mark of the first quarter, uh, you know, play the last two minutes of that, play the first four, sit out between the eight minute mark of the six minute and the six minute mark in the fourth quarter, play the final six. Right. And that gets you up to about 24 minutes. It's it's about two shifts, but it breaks it up in a way where he can go hard for 24 minutes, because that's my one concern with upping his minutes is can we get these crazy closeouts? Yeah. Can we get the this amazing help defense if he's running two 12-minute shifts in a game. Yeah, no, like, I think his upper limit is probably around nine or 10-minute shifts. Like, Mm -hmm. there was Vogel, I think, ideally would like to -hmm. bring him in around the eight-minute mark. Mm -hmm. He's had to play him more than that a couple of times. Like, in the Pelicans game, he brought him in towards the end of the third quarter because, you know, that Rondo. Yeah, yeah, that Rondo Kuzma, I said it on, on Twitter, 
They got that Sandman hook from like That's the right. Apollo, right? Like, uh-huh. like oh uh-huh. no, you're getting booed, my friend. Like you're uh-huh. coming off stage. Man, I, I'll, I'll, just real quick, can we free Kyle Kuzma? I'm not trying to like, yes, he needs to play better, but that kid's minutes are freaking tied to Rondo and he's so dependent yeah. on a guy that can get him a shot. Anyway, I just want to say that. C- carry on. I am very interested in seeing what happens with all of those guys. Like, I mean, in an ideal world, we said we weren't going to talk about Rondo too much, but we're near the end of the pod now. So Mm -hmm. let's just do it right now. In an ideal world, I probably wouldn't play Rondo at all. Mm -hmm. That said, I do understand if you want Caruso to play the majority of his minutes with LeBron and Anthony Davis, like Danny Green does, Mm -hmm. then you can either start him. You could either start mm-hmm. Alex Caruso, and I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I think they're fine with Avery Bradley, um, mm-hmm. and they're happy with Avery Bradley. Or you have to give them those ch- that chunk of minutes that Rondo plays with LeBron, but AD is not in, and then wrap it around so that he then continues to play those minutes when Anthony Davis comes in. And mm-hmm. this is where... It gets tricky because the Lakers actually do need another like sort of ball handling guard that actually can create shots for some of these other guys, right? And right. and I don't think that's going to be Caruso. Like you and no. I talked about where he's at offensively. He's not there. No, certainly not. Certainly not. And probably if he ever gets there, he's a couple years away. He turns he turns 26 either tomorrow or the next day. Okay. Uh, so maybe he doesn't get to that point at, at any point. Uh, but to me, Rondo's a, in case of emergency break glass type guy. Sure. Like we saw against Boston, when he's good, there's nobody else on our team that can do that. Right. Like the way that he does. But it just happens every freaking seven or eight games. Well, it's a roll of the dice, man. Like you never know what you're going to get with him. And that's and that's what the problem is. And that's why the juxtaposition of Rondo versus Caruso, I think, is so frustrating for fans because Mm -hmm. Caruso's inconsistency is not damning in the way that Rondo's well, inconsistency is because Rondo's inconsistency is directly tied to his identity as a player. Yes. Caruso's identity as as a player is I am I am a hustle player, I am a defender, I am a work hard, try hard, smart basketball player. And those things are consistent game to game to game. Mm-hmm. The jump shot may not fall, the finishing right. may not be there, the ball handling may not be tight, and the decision making may be a little bit off, but he's going to run through a brick wall for you every single night and fans respond to that and it's important for the team to have a guy who's going to do that night after night after night and that's his identity and he does it rondo though it's like oh well i am i am the point guard i am going to organize the offense and point you over there and i'm going to create shots for you and guess what if he doesn't have it it's there's not much to fall back on and that but that brings me back to to the beginning of the pod and to just kind of put a bow on this Alex Caruso is getting better at those things he's never going to be what Rondo was and and really that stylistically that type of point guard but he's starting to display a certain competency in those types of areas where it's like those were really the only arguments for not playing him and if he can just be 
okay at those things. The things that he's great at make him a massive net positive. We're seeing that over and over and over again. So uh, it, it's been great to see his role start to adjust to be more alongside LeBron, more alongside AD. I want to get in the next pod into some of the minutia with if, you know, with incorporating Morris, incorporating Dion Waiters if he's coming, kind of what happens. They ran an 11-man rotation last night. That is not sustainable into the playoffs. Got plenty to talk about, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Campbell in and out. The ball is tipped and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple and a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back, didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one, missing. Bryant. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?